G'day everybody, welcome to another Step Outside podcast. My name is Paul Burt. Hope you've had a fantastic week and if you've been watching our show Step Outside with Paul Burt, you would have noticed our recent latest show was all about fishing a runoff. Now we were targeting a different species of fish but another fish decided to show up and we did our whole shoot on it. Now, one thing you may have noticed as well when I do go away and do our fishing show is I tend to take a few mates with us because we like to have a good time at the same time teaching you guys different experiences so the knowledge of power increases tenfold. Great way to do it. Now, this next bloke, his name is Fish Guy, a.k.a. Timmy Harris. And, of course, with his company on board, we tend to show and share a lot of different knowledge. He does one style of fishing. I like to do a different style. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Mr. Timmy Harris. Mate, thanks for joining us today, buddy. Good to have you on board. No problems, mate. I'm uh, very excited to be here. Yeah, mate. You know, a lot of people sort of uh, love to, to watch our program and, and you know, we get a great response and feedback from, from you joining us because you're a wealth of knowledge. Mate, um, and I thought today this is a, a day to bring you on board because the recent fishing trip we did was something that I have never encountered. Now, I've caught a plethora of fish in my life, and I know you've caught a, a, a ton load as well, but this is something that I've never experienced before. And, I, I, mate, what about you? Have you ever experienced catching two-kilogram-sized mullet mouth-hooked <laughs> on, uh, on, on a live mullet, Zarek? Have you ever done no. that? No. No, I, I have caught mullet on lures before, and it was on a full moon, and it was in landlocked lakes here on the Gold Coast, mm -hmm. and I was catching them on surface poppers, which I found. Yeah, I was going cool. for giant herring, yeah. and I ended up getting mullet, and I caught four or five that night on the wow. full moon on the high tide. But, mate, the, the experience we had in the runoff was just crazy. My first hookup, yeah. I really – you were there. You were standing next there. to me. It, I was there. It was 100%. I was all in on a big mangrove jack because this thing hit, slammed it, and ran and went deep. And then next minute, I pull up, and it's a you know an elbow slapping, or should I say, a knee slapping mullet. Yeah. And like we're all just laughing and carrying on because it was just unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this before. Because look, I'll paint the picture for people who are listening: is that we were fishing a runoff. We had half a meter of rain in southeast Queensland, and a lot of these causeways overflow from these landlocked areas. And, of course, with that, we see a lot of fish coming over. And we see a, a good variety of fish as well, but I've never seen mullet. We're catching or targeting barramundi. Yes, you get them here. A lot of people know about it. Mangrove jacks, jewfish, trevally, but not mullet. And these mullet, like you say, Timmy, they're the size of your arm, mate. They're freaking huge. They're incredible. And, and you know, we, we catch the, the first one, and I thought, okay, you know, this is fishing, yeah. things happen, you go, yeah, we can catch one, but then, you know, two, well, three casts later, catch another one, and I then told, we got another one. I told my <laughs> cameraman to turn the camera, I said, I don't want to see mullet, who wants to watch mullet <laughs> being caught, okay? Yeah, we did jag one or two, because, you know, there's uh, there was a, a, a severe runoff there, it was flowing at 55 knots, the water was racing over, and we did get a couple like that, but mate, the rest of them, when we started hooking them in the mouth... We told Jack, mate, you need to film this. You need to record this because this is something that we've never experienced as two, I, I believe, accomplished anglers who are still learning, but has anyone else done it? So, mate, I'm putting it yeah. out there. This is incredible. Oh, it is. And at the end of the day, like you hit the nail on the head just then, learning. Like 
we have been around. We've caught a fair few fish in our life. We've caught just about one of everything. But when you, you know, that's the beauty of fishing. You just learn every time you go, you learn something. And every time you go with someone else, you learn something different, you know, and it's, it's incredible. I've never caught a Patagonian toothfish. No, well, we'll have to go I've, over there one day. Let's, let's take the show over there. We'll go. We'll go and get one. I think we've eaten one before. I'm not sure. But anyway, mate, there's a whole <laughs> heap of variety of things. Mate, um, the lures we were using, I mean, that, that was quite unbelievable as well because we're using a live mullet, as in the lure, the live mullet, uh, to target mullet, really. And they're yeah. big. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we're all using different colours mm. and I was using the red fin colour which, you know, if, if the viewers out there haven't seen it or the listeners out there haven't seen it, yeah. you know, Google your Zeric Live Mullets in your four and a half inch and you'll see the R. And R stands for redfin. It's got stripes on it. It's yeah. a funny looking colour, a bit of a green sort of a colour with some red fins and bits and pieces. Yeah. But we think that one worked or we came to the conclusion because that one caught about 10 fish yeah. and the other colours that we were using, like Dark Ale and Olive Guppy and the other ones yeah. we tried, yeah. only caught a few. So, yeah, they're the ones you know. I was using. <laughs> oh, no. I'm putting you know, it down so, I'm putting it down for the colours as well, not, not experience. <laughs> yeah, but there's a bit of fish guy in there as well. Like, it's, you know, yeah. the talent comes into it as well, but not, not just lure colour. So, you know, yeah. it's not your fault, Paul, that you were using a, a, a colour that didn't work as good as mine, but we won't, we won't say that on air, will Mate, we? I had an ugly lure on, that's all I can say. Hey, mate, um, when we're talking about, you know, fishing floodwaters, the first thing that comes to mind is danger, okay? So we've got to be yeah. fully aware of where we're fishing, the surrounds. Tell us some of the things that you've got to keep an eye out there, Timmy, if you're fishing a, a floodwater runoff, so to speak. Look, the, the first one that comes to mind is is it's very easy to see the water is travelling extremely quick. Yeah. And if you ever fall into that, you, there is no use swimming against it. You just got to go with it down the creek and yeah. you'll, you'll go a kilometre in no time at all. Yeah. Something that really comes to mind when I'm standing there, often or not, we're standing along the rocks, along the edge of where these overflows are and these, yeah. these, these drains are. Yeah. And you can see the water at your feet rise up and down, yes. you know, and it changes quickly. Ten minutes time, it might drop. 10 or, 10 or so centimetres. And then yeah. as the tide comes in, mm. the pressure of the tide moving in with mm. the floodwaters moving out raises it up quite a lot. And that can be, you know, in, within half an hour where you're standing could be a foot underwater very quickly. Yeah, you've got to be su super careful. What fish eat the bait that comes out of there? Like what, what sort of fish are we talking about, you know, around sort of, uh, I guess, you know, I guess the, the mid-reaches mid of Australia. You know, we're going pretty much draw a line from the Gold Coast across the other side of the country and take it south. What are we sort of seeing in those areas, mate? What, what you're going to see more of, like in my personal experience of fishing those areas, I've caught more big trevally and big mangrove jacks than just about anything else. Mm. Yes, we can catch barramundi and they're, they're rare, to, rare to catch. You can have a million casts and you might catch one. I know people who have been fishing for them for years and not caught one. But mangrove jack and trevally, and the trevally are amazing because you'll see them come up the river and they'll, you'll see them come into schools of, of the mullet that are trying to get up into the fresh water and they smash through them. So like, that, that'd be my two top target species of those areas. And then as those mullets start to, to move out to the entrance, we see a different variety of fish, the mullaway, come through yeah. and target the, the mullet. And generally it's that like a slap on the surface as the mullaway come through and take the mullet. And, if, and it's a great thing to do, quite visual at times, but uh, also can be very dangerous, particularly at the entrance to these rivers because all of this fresh mm. water has got to flow somewhere. And not only yeah. does it track mullaway, but also 
the toothy critters, the shark. Oh, the tax man. He's always there. Mm. He is, isn't yeah. he? And, and the, the rocks become slippery due to the fresh water as well, so you can easily yeah. lose your footing. Totally. You've got to be careful. Got to be careful. Hey, mate, um, another experience that I've had with you was fishing far north Queensland, fishing the oh, Northern man. Territory, fishing the barrages. That's another runoff, isn't it? Oh, it's, a, it's <laughs> look, it is the number one runoff. You know, anywhere up that area, like the Northern Territory and all the rivers and creeks up there are just incredible. You know, we were lucky enough to, to go up there with your show and we, we fished with real screen and barra fishing. And Jared, who runs that, he runs out of Shady Camp. And that was a, quite an astonishing place for me because I'd never been there before. And to fish those areas with him was just incredible. Mate, it's, uh, it's a very dangerous spot when you start talking uh, the Territory or the Cape or anything because, you know, we have the, uh, the, the, that predator that is just the number one in my book because you don't see it, the crocodile. And there's a, there's a shitload of them up there. You've got to admit that. Oh, mate, the Mary River. Shady Cramp. Uh, uh, Shady Cramp. <laughs> had a few of those Shady there. Camp. Yeah. <laughs> I had a few of them up there. And um, the Mary River in itself, like, just talking to Jared, I think it was like... 15 to 20 crocodiles per kilometre of river up there. It's, yeah. it's the, the, the highest population of crocs in the, in the Northern Territory. So, like, it's a, it's a dangerous spot. You don't want to fall in there or go for a swim, that's for sure. Goodness, no. And the thing is, you don't really see them. You see one, you see a little bit of a swirl here and there. You look out and you might see that it looks like a stick, just the eyes of a stick, you know what I mean? Like the two little bumps... And that could be 15 foot of crocs sitting just under the water. And we, I, remember, oh, I remember seeing that scary. big one. Remember that big thing that came up? Fang. What? His name was Fang. Dang, it was it. as big as the boat. Like It, it looked, it it looked like huge. a gum tree floating down the river with a set of eyes on it. <laughs> <laughs> God. He did. Mate, and I, and I remember the story I was, I was being told by someone up there. I can't remember who. Actually, I do, but I'm not going to say. Is that a, uh, <laughs> a, 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 the Fang, I think it was, came out and leaned over the back of the boat and munched on the driver's seat. The the, oh. the driver was actually at the front of the boat at the time. So these yeah. sh- these these crocs are getting really really close, and I think that's a, a major concern for people out there, particularly if they're um you know you get the southerners coming up and they just clean the fish at the local boat ramp, chuck the frames out because they're buggering off back south in the next week. Maybe the you next know month. you know what my, and, my and biggest advice. Yeah, mate. My, my biggest advice to anyone to go in, goes up to the Mary River. Yeah. Take a bigger boat. Like we were there, and that, we, we saw we saw a couple of dudes. Seriously, remember that guy in like a twelve foot tinny yes. with a with a seven horsepower outboard on the back of it and a sun visor. And like, look, we commend him on going out and having a fish and getting out, no, you know, stepping outside and having some fun. But we dude. didn't. We didn't commend him, mate. <laughs> We cheesed him. We cheesed him with a with a with a can of Forex as he went past. We went, "Cheers, good on you, mate!" Um, and tell us what it's like on the other side. All I can hope that he got back to the ramp, okay. But yeah, no thanks. You know, go in a big boat with high sides, and and the big crocs will leave you alone. That's fine. And and go with a guide on the first day because a guide's going to show you where yeah. they catch the fish, and you can easily work it out anyway. But what sort of lures would you use up in the in that area up there? Because the runoff that you see, particularly you know coming into April as the end of the wet season into May, uh, it's pretty good fishing. But, you know, yeah. the lures and some of the runoffs there, Tim, because some of the areas we fished fresh water, you, you realistically, you could have peed harder than, than a lot of that runoff coming out of some of those little drains. And they're holding fish. Yeah, 
it was quite surprising how little amount of water was needed. Like some of the areas we were pulling barrow out of, and they weren't, you know, metre plus fish, but they were at that seven, eight hundred, eight fifty, you know, and we were catching them on just about everything from, from our, you know, from some, some squidgies and rubber tiles, rubber tails, the hundred millimetre sort of size yeah. to hard bodies. And then we were, my favourite was, was some of the surface lures was epic, yeah. you know, to, yeah. to chuck a surface lure into those little shallow one metre deep drains yeah. and the barra are popping and smashing behind the lure as you're bringing it out. Yeah. Yes, you don't hook as many, but spectacular. And it certainly was because I know we we're fishing these runoffs in the sense of uh, it looked like the Everglades. You know, you had all this, you know, bushy reeds and grass, and it looked pretty good. And it's just these little drains of water that might have opened up to say five to ten feet wide, and then it sort of narrowed yeah. in amongst the grass. And there was a rock barrage there with a little bit of water, and we we're all lined up along that because you thought, geez, it's nice day to go for a swim. Lo and behold, there's, there's a big crocodile sitting right there. You don't know, but the bar, man, they just stack up those. Um, Chase bait live those mullets. They were they were pretty yeah. cool, weren't they? The drunken mullet. Yeah, the drunken mullet with the prop on the back as well mm. was was incredible, you know. And my favourite was when we we're up in the freshwater side because of the big barrage up there at Shady Camp. One one side, uh, you know, towards the north yeah. is is the salt water, and then towards the south is all the freshwater. And when you go up into the fresh, I just love those lilies. As you yeah. say, it's like the Everglades. You're cruising through the fresh water. There's massive li- lilies everywhere, you know, oh, yeah. big, as, big as anything. And in between them, you're trying to pull barramundi out of in between. And to throw the the Zeric frogs, the four-inch oh, frog, God. was epic. Man. Like, to me, that is the epitome of fishing. Yeah. The soft water, uh, soft, soft plastics in the fresh water yeah. on the surface. Yeah. And those frogs... You know, moving them through the reeds and lilies and and stuff with a barramundi just munching them. Even if you don't hook up, you get four or five hits on the way out. That yeah. that's a rush. That is a rush. That's well, awesome. It was it was out of control. Realistically, you know, and even using some of the uh, the, the shrimp patterns in the squidgies, I found they to be absolutely brilliant. And putting some S factor goop on the actual lure also yeah. helped with the fish hanging onto the lure even longer because sometimes with the plastic they'll grab the placky and they'll they'll pull it back because they've got you know 10 times stretch half of the uh, all the plastics do these days and yeah. uh, you know just to get that little bit more grip for the fish to hang on a bit longer i found the s-factored goop was um was it worked yeah. really well for me it worked well anyway well it did and like we, we proved it with the tarpon like we caught heaps of tarpon up there and yeah. as the sun would get higher in the morning and you get to that eight or nine o'clock you know, the tarpon would, would sort of shut down a little bit. And yeah. on our way in between each fishing spot, you know, mm. mate, the goop on the lure, mate, the, the tarpon would, would hit it nine times out of ten yeah. with the scent on it rather than not. So, yeah. you know, for me, that was that was easy easy to prove. Yeah. Using the, the freshwater side, um, the wrigglers, again, squidgy, I'm going to talk about these lures. The squidgies work well. You get them up to 100, 110 mil, whatever it is. Because the yeah. tail would really sort of vibrate away, and and and, the, and those yeah. and like you said, the surface frogs, all that sort of stuff, light up. But when we went into the the salt water, and we hit some of those drains and barrages downstream from the weir at Shady Camp, we, I was using more the, uh, the the squidgy fish up to 150 yeah. millimeters because it had that 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 sort of block paddle tail that gave yeah. it more of a, a mullet uh, appearance because there were a lot of Popeye mullet and diamond scar mullet in that area that the bigger barras and jacks and everything were, were munching on. 
Uh, and, I, and I think also they can find they can find that vibration a bit more. It's a bit more of a thud, 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 thud vibration in that dirtier water. In the salt water, as it's running off, you get that dirty water. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's a big factor of, of the barra are feeling that vibration and they're just, they're just chasing it down and slamming it. Mate, you remember that little area where the water was flowing out through the sort of like a canal system, but it wasn't. It was, you know, in the middle of nowhere. But they had that rock bar with a drain that was literally about... Oh, three feet wide. Yeah. And one side of the river, the Mary, was basically about two feet taller than the other side. And as the tide dropped, the waters would level out. One would go higher, one would go lower. So the water was flowing into that canal system or the, the river. And on the other side, it would turn as the tide dropped away. And, of course, that's when you'd start to get fish over there too. That was a pretty cool yep. spot. Lots of fish. It was, a, it was a cool spot, but a scary spot because either side we're standing on this barrage, basically, which is about a metre and a half wide. Yeah. And one, one side you've got, you know, salty crocodiles having a crack at you. And then the, then the other side you've got the same. So it was, yeah, for me it was, a, uh, you know, every sense in my body was at a 1,000% oh. <laughs> looking around me as you're casting. But, yeah, amazing spot, incredible. And we did some fly fishing, and that was another uh, method of catching barras in that, uh, in that runoff. Yeah, well, to be honest, that's the first time I've fly fished for barra. And, and mm. fly fishing with a little popper on the surface yeah. was amazing. Like I, I, I will remember that for a long, long time. Yeah, cool stuff up there, mate, I'll tell you what. Mate, um, now we'll jump back down sort of anywhere in Australia where you can have the dam runoffs because dam yeah. runoffs is another runoff, okay? We, we've covered the, 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 the empowerment areas where that goes freshwater into saltwater, uh, but now the, the dams, etc. How does that travel for runoff fishing? I mean, I know you do quite well at this. Yeah, well, like even even from around our area here on the Gold Coast, we've got Hins Dam, which is in the wonderful Hins land. It's a you know it's a twenty minute drive just about from anywhere near the Gold Coast, and it fishes extremely well. You know we've got amazing bass in there, and for for my liking, I like stalking Saratoga. I do a lot of kayak fishing out there, but also there's some areas that you can access by foot. Um, some areas you can't; it's a, it's against the rules out there. But other areas is totally fine. Um, and with with the runoff situation. What I've found over the years of fishing, I've been here, here on the coast for 20 years now, and, and I've really learned a pattern of, of when the dam gets a lot of runoff in flood time and the dam rises up and goes and starts to flow over. So instead of being at 100%, like it was recently, we had 500 mil of rain and it, and it got up to like uh, you know, 112, 114% full. And so what happens is all the water pushes up into the trees and the and the land all around the dam so so now you have this whole area which is which has never been underwater underwater and the saratoga really like to push up into those areas and and you can walk the bank and and fish surface for them and it's exciting stuff what are you looking for timmy like um if you're stalking the fish across the surface the idea is for them not to see you color clothing what's what should you wear look I, I have experimented a few times with different coloured clothing. Um, I always wear long gear now, and I always wear dark colours and, and, and things that will sort of semi-blend into the background because I have really noticed, I guess from, for the guys down south who chase trout, it's a similar situation uh, where you're stalking along the bank and you're waiting to see movement. Saratoga don't really sit still for too long. They're always just looking around to see. And... 
I always go at low light situations, so dawn and dusk. I don't bother doing it in the middle of the day. But you'll see water movement where the toga is sitting. And if, if you know, I did wear, I wore, wore a long shirt a while ago which had bright yellow on it, and yeah. I couldn't catch a fish. Every time I got anywhere close to a fish, they'd, they'd balk and fly away, and, and you know, just, you'd see a huge explosion in the water and they'd take off. But so, yeah, dark colours, the better, better you're, you're making yourself invisible to them, it'll be, you know, you'll come up with a fish. What about lures, mate? Are you trying to emulate what the fish are feeding on? If they're fishing on uh, feeding on frogs or insects or crickets or something, you know, because that recent rain has pushed down off the banks there, Timmy, and the fish are up there feeding on whatever's just been smothered by water. So, what sort of lures do you recommend? I I primarily use weedless stuff, but I use a bit bigger, say around that eighty to a hundred mil walk the dog style lures as well. They seem to go go quite good. On the first, say, week or two of it being flooded, but as it starts to recede a little bit, I find because you get closer to that grass, closer to the bush and the sticks, weedless setups work well. So I do use paddle tail lures yep. with no weight. So I like to use a Gamahatsu two size two sort of hook, two o, yep. um, and no weight at all. So just okay. you just want to fish that top of the water. Uh, also use Zeric, you know, my frog. Yep. Frogs yep. are. Frogs are killer up there. They're yeah. really good on the toga. They are your favourite ones, mate. Fishing before a yeah. storm. Storm fishing leading up to it, the barometer starting to rise. It gets really hot and muggy. You know, it's been feeding yeah. that system and then the storm hits. Uh, obviously, electrical storms most of the time. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the barometer drops, uh, temperature drops, fish go yeah. off the bite. But right on that peak time yeah. is ideal, but it's dangerous. Yeah, it is. And look, to be honest, I've been caught out a couple of times where yeah. I, I, you know, you get those really hot, stinking, muggy days, a little bit of a northerly blowing, you know, sucking into the south where the storms are building. Um, and and it can be really good fishing. I have had it at times where I've caught nothing, obviously. It's called mm. fishing but for, for a reason. But yeah. I've had some epic times of of the build-up to a storm, but you've got to get out of there before it be- yeah. <laughs> becomes a bit too dangerous with those sparks. Yeah. You know, graphite, carbon fibre rods and sparks uh, are a perfect recipe to get yourself lit up. So, yeah, stay away from that. And, and generally downstream from a dam wall is another spot that's pretty good as well. I mm. do recall a Wonga dam with all the water flowing over that wall at one stage yeah. that the, the yeah. river below the dam wall was home to metre plus barramundi where people normally wouldn't fish, but they were catching a lot of them. And the same with a lot of other dams, uh, even up around Somerset, Wyvernhoe. Uh, we're talking the Hins Dam is the below yes. the wall. If you can start in a point where you can legally get in there with a kayak and then move upstream yes. and hit those holes, yep. that's a great way to target good quality uh, Australian native species. Well, I, th- I think what it does is it increases your chances to catch some good fish. Mm. Um, purely under the basis of when there is runoff, when there is flood rain, fish move upstream um, to breed, you know, they, they, yeah. uh, and to go to a, a different part of the river. You know, with bass, bass go out to breed out near the salt water in the brackish water in, in winter. But depending on what time of year it is, fish keep pushing up the stream. Also, if it's been dry for a while, like we've had, like we've had a long time at the moment over the last few years, many parts in Australia that's been in drought. And then when you get these flooding rains, the fish go up the stream. So if you can get on any focal point of the river, a barrage or where a dam is below a dam, the fish are going to be more congregated in those spots. So your, your, your chances of catching something is, is increased. Mate, um, when it comes to runoffs, wherever you are fishing, if there's a tidal movement, you're going to have water flow. Now, that's another runoff, isn't it? Such as sandbanks, because sandbanks, yeah. you get them all around the country, 
or a rock wall or whatever it might be. But if there's tidal influence, you do get a very similar effect and the fish come and flourish in those regions as well. Yeah, well, it's, it's, again, it's a focal point. So, you know, wherever you've got tides, you've got everyday runoff. Mm. So everyday runoff can be a drain. Like living here in the city on the Gold Coast, we have many, many drains, I mean, pipe drains that feed inland lakes. We have developments that have small drains that come out of them. All of those on the going out tide is a runoff. So you're going to get, you know, your surface fish, like your GTs and your trevally and stuff hanging around those areas, your giant trevally, um, and also, sorry, your giant herring. Um, and then even when you go out on the flats, if you go out on the flats, you know, each sand you know, area has runoff. So you might have, you know, on one big sand flat, you might have 10 different runoff spots that you can go and chase your, your bread and butter fish like your brim and your flathead. They're going to be wherever water runs off, that's where they're going to be because the bait is going to be running off those flats. You know, it's a prime example. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was doing my Channel 7 weather from uh, just from a normal park in the Narang River on the bank. And we had, yeah. a, we had torrential rain that just bucketed down for literally half an hour and I reckon we got four inches. It was a yeah. hell of a lot. You'd probably call it eight. I'd call it four. But, mate, <laughs> what, so what happened was I went down and stood next to the rock wall there where I was about to do my cross and I could hear this, you know, the water flowing out of this pipe running onto the rocks and into the into the river, and then you'd hear this boof, 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 boof. And they yeah. the trevally and the brim, probably a few jacks in there as well, smashing yeah. up the bait fish that were congregating around that runoff as it pushed in because they're after the food. It's a food chain. It's a it's simple a and a perfect example of a runoff that happens by nature, and that is just a simple bit of rain falling out of a pipe. Yeah, and... and- where, where we are here, like we get a lot of small prawns and often or not, when you do get those, you know, thunderstorms and things that produce, you know, four inches or eight inches in my scale, um, you know, they, that'll push prawns out of all those little tiny gutters and yeah. drains that are all everywhere. And, and it's not areas that you're, you're, you're actually visually seeing. Like a lot of these pipes go up and under all the infrastructure. So yes. just because it's underground doesn't mean there's no fish there. But that's where all the bait and all the prawns and everything else live. So when you get a flush out from a, an afternoon storm, just after the storm has passed, that is prime time. Like, and we've seen, that, we've seen that time and time again of exactly the situation that you've just described. Mm. That as soon as that water comes out of them pipes anywhere, you're, you've got fish. They're there. So what sort of gear should we be using, okay? So someone to go out there and go, right, I'm going to have a crack at this. I've got a 10 to 15 kilo spin stick. I'm going to put on a 100-pound litre, and I'm going to flick an 8-inch eight, eight popper. Well, that ain't going to work in certain areas, probably a lot of the areas it won't. So you need to go more finesse. What, yeah, do, you, what do you yeah. sort of suggest as an all-rounder that's going to tick the boxes for everyone? You know, like I, I use like a 6- or 7-foot rod. I, I often use... Shimano CI4, I love them. I run 10 pound on that, so I can just about stop all your bread and butter fish. Yeah. If I'm going a little bit heavier, I just go to a 4,000 size reel instead of a 2,000 or 2,500 size reel, and I run 20 pound. If you're running 20 pound with 30 pound leader, you can pretty much you know, fish, fish any of the runoff stuff that we do. And you know, if you're going out onto the sand flats and you're fishing the everyday runoff yeah. uh, for your for your brim and your flathead, you can go right down. You know, you go you go back down to your six and eight pound gear with with maybe ten pound litre max and and have some fun. Go light. 
Yeah, I, I do love using uh, the bait casters, uh, particularly the Corrado 150HGDC. That's a digitally controlled unit. And matching that with Digitally that, controlled because that, uh, you know, that helps you cast like an absolute champion, doesn't you, it? You, know? you don't tell anyone. That's the thing, right? I, I was doing. Yeah. I, I remember doing yeah, a, yeah. a boat show recently at Century Cove and I was casting this reel and, and saying, <laughs> look at this, everyone. And I'd look the other way and cast this thing and, and wouldn't even... Get an overrun. Well, it wasn't me. It was the real doing all the work. But you know, I, I, after fishing, you know, after fishing with you for twenty years, I've seen an absolutely incredible improvement in your in your casting ability in recent times. You know, where the DC has you know it, it surpassed your capabilities, which is I, I find it's amazing. You know, it just just shows you that you know a real can make an amateur look good. Absolutely, and, and you know what, to me, I, I I politely agree with you, but also at the same time. Uh, I can admit that I have hooked you more times you've hooked me when we've been out oh, fishing. Oh, yeah. Correct. I have an ear piercing to prove it. I've been been uh, you know been c- called hooked in the head many times. Uh, I, I do. Re- I you do remember one so down close at, to uh, me. Yeah, yeah. Well, e- even then, I can stand at the other end of the boat and still get hooked. So it doesn't really matter where I stand. Again, that means you shouldn't be on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I need to. Maybe I need to go on someone else's boat more often. Maybe that's, that's I don't know. Look, it's all good, mate. Hey, uh, mate. Thanks for your time, buddy. You're always a wealth of knowledge, and uh, it's always lovely to have a chat with you. And I thought, you know, the experiences that you and I have shared over the over the years, and I know it's it's been twenty or thirty years, been a hell of a long time, and a wild ride at most of them as well. And some of the adventures that we've done offshore, fishing the ocean blue for GTs and marlin, and, and you know, and cobia and kingfish, is endless. And I'd love to talk to people about catching snapper on soft plastics, and we'll do that in the not too distant future. What do you reckon, mate? Yeah, let's do it. Love it. All for it. Hey, thanks for your time, Timmy. Appreciate no it, mate. Worries, mate. The, See you on the next boat trip, mate. We'll talk to you soon. Mate, the crowd is going wild for you. There they go. Look at that. Oh, there they are. Yeah, there Jeez. they are. They're back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's more like it. That's better. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to another Step Outside podcast with myself and Fish Guy, Timmy Harris, all about runoffs. Hopefully that sort of information does help you out the next time that you venture and step outside. And, of course, if you want to find out more information on the localised fishing in your area and you want to supply yourself with some good quality gear, jump on down to your local Anaconda store. Till we meet again, take it easy, and as I always like to say, may your rods bend often.